Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, CFA. It is amazing to be in God's presence and in the presence of each other this morning. Um, I do got to make one one comment. Sometimes, um, sometimes pastoring can be tough. You know, you pray you pray for people and you preach preach the word of God to people. And I tried to I tried to preach my heart out last week and tried to just uh, lead people in the way of the Lord. And I got to be honest with you, I got. Um, oh, I got a disappointing text over, over Thanksgiving, and um, and, and I just, I just want to say to that individual who sent me that and who subjected their family to that kind of pain. that God's grace still reaches to you and, and God is a God of second chances and there is forgiveness for you and aren't you thankful that Christmas is coming and you have a second chance to right wrongs because you have children that are not happy with you, Mama, right now. So I didn't even, I didn't even know. I didn't even know, Pastor Marvel, that existed. <laughs> didn't even know. Hey, Christmas, Christmas is coming, y'all. It is around the corner. We, we kick off like this. What you see in the lobby, that's just a teaser. Like, that's just, uh, that's just to kind of get you, get you in the, the Christmas spirit. Next week, we start the first of a four-week series entitled The Songs of Christmas. And next weekend is Meet Me in St. Louis. And I, I tell you that to say, um, yeah, give it up. This is going to be an amazing season. Um, I, I say that to tell you don't come alone. Christmas is a lot more fun when you bring somebody. So we, we handed out the 13,000 cards at the Concord Christmas Parade. Davidson, it's Christmas in Davidson this weekend. They'll be handing out invitations. But remember, the most powerful invitation is a personal invitation. So um, who could you buy a ticket for? Bring them to meet me in St. Louis. Who could you invite? Songs of Christmas. I'm going pre- to preach four, four, four songs um, right out of the scriptures. Uh, that, that come out, out of the Christmas narrative, and, and I'll go ahead and I'm going to try and tell you what I'm preaching every week so you can be thinking about pr- and praying about maybe s- someone specifically in your life who needs this message. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on Zechariah, uh, the season without a song, the season without a song. There's songs, there's seasons in your life when it seems like everybody else has a song, but you don't have a song. And that can be a difficult season. Zechariah was actually mute for a season before the greatest miracle of his life. So if you know somebody that that would apply to that's kind of hurting, that's walking through a difficult season, bring them next week. You say, Pastor, I don't know what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to hear the word of God. They're probably going to give their heart to Jesus. They're probably going to get baptized. Their their family tree is going to get changed. Their grandchildren are going to start serving Jesus 40 years from now. So like great things, great things are going to happen. Turn in your copy of God's Word to Deuteronomy chapter 11 this morning. Um, I got to tell you, I, I feel a little bit of weight, and it's not just the extra sweet potato casserole I ate this week. It's the, it's the weight of this is the final Occupy message. And I just got to tell you that as your pastor, I want, I want this so bad for you. Like I believe this so bad for you that this is 
This is the year that you fully step into and occupy all of the promises, not out of selfishness, but from a position of overflow. And so as, you, as, as we bring this thing to a close, I feel like this is the, the final installment of this. And I, I just want everybody, I want all of us to, to get it and to live in that full occupation of what God has for us. Because, because the truth is, the truth is that you can be successful but empty. Have you, seen, have you seen people like this? And so this may have been, sir, this may have been the year that your sales blew every other year out of the water. And you've had more income in the past three months than you know what to do with. But you're disappointed because meeting that goal didn't bring you the level of joy in your heart that you thought it would. And, and, and you meet people that, that reach levels and attain obtain things, attain things in their, their lives, but it didn't attain them the joy that they wanted. And, and you meet people that are married, but they're lonely. And, and so you can live in the same house with someone and you, and you treat each other more like roommates than you do spouses. And, and, and so stepping into, stepping into land and stepping into territory doesn't necessarily mean that everything is great and everything changes in your life. See, ma marriage really, marriage is a magnifier, isn't it? Marriage just magnifies whatever's going on. And so if you were lonely and miserable and unhappy before you were married, you're going to make two people lonely and miserable and unmarried. And so these things aren't, a, ra a raise isn't a solution to your life, sir. And the move isn't a solution, and a, a new school isn't a solution. And, and I'm not saying these things aren't, aren't proper and can't help it, but there's something deeper going on. And, and I want to preach from the word in Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11, this is one of, one of Moses' final kind of rallying cries to Israel before they occupy and he says, therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so that you may have strength to go in and take over or, or to go in and occupy the land you're about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors and their descendants, a land flowing with milk. And honey. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. Where you planted your seed, some things I just do to make myself laugh. It's not for you, it's for me. And made irrigation ditches with your foot as a, as a vegetable garden. I want to pause right here. Isn't it interesting that the way that you got water to where you needed water in Egypt is different than the way that God flows in the promised land? When you're in Egypt, you had to work for flow. You had to fight for flow. As long as you're in Egypt and as long as you're in bondage, it doesn't matter how good life gets on the outside. You'll always be fighting for flow. You'll never have enough money. The raise will never be enough. The promotion will never be enough. And you're always fighting. That's what they did in Egypt. It was always, we got to get irrigation, more irrigation. You couldn't ever, in Egypt, you couldn't dig enough irrigation ditches. And some of you feel like you're living there. Some of you feel like, I can't get enough flow to me. I can't get, I can't get enough. The, 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 the cure for this is not digging more ditches. It's living in the flow of God. So you got to cha change lands because listen now in contrast, rather the land that God wants to take you into, 
The land that you will soon enter is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain. Sounds like Carolina in October and parts of November. A land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. If you carefully obey the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all of your heart and soul, then he'll send the rains in their proper seasons, the early rains and the late rains, so that you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all you want to eat. But be careful. Don't let your heart be so deceived that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain. And the ground will fail to produce its harvest. And this is the, this is the scripture that I want to focus on this morning. God says, then you will quickly die in the good land. You can quickly die in good land. Turn to three people, preach at them this morning, announce my title, tell them don't die in your destiny. Don't die. Don't die in your destiny. Because we can be surrounded by things that should cause us to thrive, that should cause us to have joy, that should cause us to prosper. And in the midst, sometimes even in the midst of good surroundings, our level of expectation and our emotion does not meet that level of surroundings. Sometimes we can get ourselves so worked up with an expectation of a brochure and a commercial that we have made in our mind that there is no way that the actual expectation has any chance of meeting the level of that. And I'm sorry for talking about your wedding day that way, but I'm just, I'm just, being, I'm just being honest that I, I don't mean to get down on Mickey Mouse's 90th birthday, but some of you had a level of expectation of what it was going to be like when you brought your two-year-old to Disney World for the first time and you met and you met your destination, but your destination had disappointment tied to it. And we don't want to admit that because that doesn't look good on Instagram. Dad, Dad, you know the feeling of having fed that mouse way too much money and looking down at the screaming child in your stroller and saying, this is going to be a memory. Like, this will be a memory. I'll never forget at Disney World one time. I was looking up, and it was like 10 o'clock, and it was the fireworks, and, and there, were, there were princesses singing. And there were, there were like mice dancing and there was, there was fireworks and there was, there was this amazing, and it was, it was uh, a little bit funny because it wasn't my kids this time, but it was amazing the difference of my view from here to here. Because my view here, like Jesus had just come back. When I looked down here, it looked like, the other place was winning. I mean, like, stro like dad's pushing the strollers out and kids screaming and uh, kids, you know, asleep and just all of this, all of this experience. And, and it wasn't, the problem wasn't the surroundings. The problem was the experience in the surroundings. And, and some of you this morning may feel that way, like you're surrounded by some good things, but, but you're dying. See, you can be surrounded by life 
but be experiencing death. You can be surrounded by prosperity, but be experiencing scarcity. You can be surrounded by amazing things and still be, and then the guilt gets piled on because you, you think, how can I be in the midst of all of this? How can I be surrounded? Uh, so maybe like we're surrounded by things, by like prayer. You know, you are being prayed for this morning. You're being prayed for this. You're at a church that prays for you. We have walls of prayer. We have people. We have teams. We have intercessors. We, you're being lifted up. You are being prayed for. The Bible says that Jesus himself is your intercessor, that he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you. Some of you, some of you that are experiencing not living your greatest life right now have a relative that you just saw over the Thanksgiving holiday that you avoided that relative because you know that relative is praying their eyes out for you. You have that person in your life? Like, do you, have, do you have, I know a little bit about Pastor John's story, and he tells a story sometimes about how when he was going through a little rebellious streak in his life, he may have been able to outrun the proximity of his mother and father, but he couldn't outrun the prayers of his mother and father. Like they were, pray, they were praying over him. He was surrounded no matter, listen, no matter what you're experiencing this morning, know that we are surrounding you in prayer. You're being surrounded by prayer. And then, and then maybe you're surrounded by potential. Potential's an interesting word, isn't it? I, uh, I actually think it's, it can be a put down. You know, when you say a phrase like this, Oh man, did you, he's got, he's got so much potential. It's kind of like the Yankee version of bless his heart. <laughs> it, it's like the, the, it's like he's got so much potential, parentheses unsaid, but he ain't realizing none of it. Like all of this potential, so let me explain it this way. Any, any of you used to collect uh, baseball cards growing up, collect baseball cards? So you know that there were basically the, the big three. There was Topps, and there was Fleer, and there was Donruss, right? And then later on, you had Bowman. You remember Bowman and Bowman? The thing about Bowman was uh, they were oversized cards, and you couldn't fit them in your little plastic binders. So it was a little bit irritating. And then you had Upper Deck came on the scene. And like baseball cards, y'all used to be 35 cents at Ski's Market in Clintonville, Pennsylvania. And I was excited when I got 35 cents and get a pack of Topps baseball cards. And then Upper Deck comes on the scene and wants to charge you a dollar. And now I got to mow more lawns to, to get my baseball cards. But both Topps and Donruss had this version. It was kind of the same thing. They called it different things. Donruss, it was a rated rookie. And what they, did, what they tried to do was predict the potential. Because it was all about, if you remember, it was all about the rookie card. So you didn't want Tony Gwynn's second-year card. You wanted his rookie card because they were more valuable. You didn't want Ken Griffey Jr.'s third-year card. You wanted his rookie card. And so they were capitalizing on this, and they, they, they put out these, these rated rookies. And so if you're not a baseball fan, you may be looking up at the screen and say, well, I don't recognize those names. I'm a baseball fan, and I don't recognize those names. I, they may have had okay careers. They may have spent a few years in the majors, but I don't think any of them are in the Hall of Fame. In other words, they never realized their potential. They never realized potential. Can I tell you this morning that you're surrounded by prayer and you are surrounded by potential? The Bible says that God has not created one man, one woman, one child, one person, that he has not put amazing gifts and talents and abilities inside of you, but just because something is 
is around you or inside of you doesn't mean that you're recognized. You can be surrounded by great people. You can be surrounded by, Luke is a, as a college student. Now, we haven't talked specifically about this, but I bet he could tell you stories of students, acquaintances that he sits in class with that are surrounded by the same, they're surrounded by the same coaches and the same professors, but they are not accessing those same people to the same degree. Just because, do you, do you know, I bet even if you feel like you are at a low moment in your life or a lonely moment in your life, you still have access to people that will help you. And sometimes, sometimes it's not that those people don't want to help us, it's that our pride Hello, it's that our pride won't. And so I don't want to be around the grandmother that's praying for me because not only is she praying for me and I get around her and she reminds me and my, she didn't even say anything, but I just remember I should be in church uh, more than I am and, and I feel bad about that. And I know people keep telling me if one more, if one more person tells me I've got potential and then, and then I know that there's people that will help me and, but this, but this pride, but this pride keeps us, pride keeps us from accessing the very things that God is trying to surround us with to help us. And then we, even in church, like even in church, praise and worship. Jamila, it is amazing probably as a worship leader that not that you ever watch people worship because of course your entire focus is on Jesus, but just if maybe during one song your eye happened to glance into the crowd, it's amazing that during the same song, same power of God, that one person can have their hands up, raised to heaven, tears flowing out of their eyes, and the person beside them is doing this. Experiencing the same atmosphere differently. And can I tell you, can I just, see, we hear this preached from the other side a lot, that we're surrounded, sometimes we're surrounded by negative circumstances, and just like negative circumstances don't have the power over your life, like the video that we just watched, right? So you, you heard the story of Darth Lai. You may, you may think, where did I hear that name before? And no, it wasn't from the Star Wars movie. He wasn't, he didn't follow Darth Maul, Darth Lai. You know, he was, he actually spoke at uh, CFA about five or six years ago, so he'd been around here. He was the, the person that survived the Cambodian uh, genocide and killing fields. And so all of his life, Darth Lai was surrounded by death. He was surrounded by hurt. He was surrounded by the potential for anger, for bitterness. Could have ended up in any number of situations. But Jesus rescued him. And so he was surrounded by horrific circumstances. And yet he thrived in the middle of that. And that's how a lot of times we hear this preached, and rightly so. But hear me this morning. There are many of you that are surrounded by amazing, great things of God. And you're not taking advantage of them. And that's scary. It's, it's, it's scary. It scares me. It scares me to think how many times we can be, like how many, how many miracles is it going to take for you to see? Yeah. How, how many times does God have to move during praise and worship until you submit to him? How many messages do you have to hear? Like how, how many and the, and the power of, power of God and 
Kristen's been on the, the mission field and she's seen things like this, but one of the worst things that I've ever had to experience as a youth pastor is students that not only saw the power of God, they were used in the power of God. They laid, I watched them, I watched them with my own eyes at an altar, lay their hands on other people and God flowed through them and did a miracle through them. But, the, but hold on, but they're not serving God. These things are not, please hear me, person that's raised in church in the United States of America, that you can be surrounded by the best of the best. You can be surrounded by grandparents that love you, by pastors that are praying for you, by people that are pouring into you. You can be surrounded by opportunities, by the power of God, and you can be dying on the inside. This verse is a little bit scary. You can quickly die in the good land. And so if you have your eyes on the destination and you're always trying to get to the destination, but if you're not careful, it doesn't get in you. It doesn't get in you. We, we need God to do something more. We need, we need him to, to help us realize that it's not enough to be in it. It's got to be in you. And I want to I challenge you this morning that your surroundings do not determine your growth. Own your growth. Own your growth. Own the condition of your heart. I'm in, cha I'm in charge of my heart. I look, remember Ted, Ted Cunningham's uh, message to his kids, who's in charge of your heart? I am, Dad. Is anybody else in charge of your heart? No. That's a good message. That's good preaching material for you. Preach that to yourself. I'm in charge of my spiritual growth. I'm in charge of my heart. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of how much goodness and mercy and love and peace that is in my heart. Thank these guys. Give them a hand as they're seated. <laughs> Say, I don't want to do that, Doug. I don't want to die as a rated rookie. Nobody knows all of the potential. How do we do that? Let me give you four things. Let me give them to you, and then I'll, I'll back up. So basically, it's tie, teach, talk, and write. Tie, teach, talk, and write. And these are just real practical. They're just real, they're simple. They're, they're practical, but they're things the Word of God gives us out of this passage, how to cultivate a heart that thrives in the land. Tie, that's out of verse 18b. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. It's all about, this is all about being, this is, this is all about being intentional with your memory. Because you got to be intentional with your memory. Pastor, I don't have control over my memories. You do. You do. You may not have control over things from your past, but you have control over your memories. You, 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 have, you have a choice how to remember. Even the person that hurts you, you can choose to see God's grace in the middle of that. You say, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I believe that. Jesus did it, right? Jesus walked through difficult situations. He walked through hurt. He walked through pain. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't denying that he got hurt. He just chose to remember because if we're not intentional about how we remember, we'll remember what we're supposed to forget and forget what we're supposed to remember. Like, I don't know about you. I, I, like, I remember what I'm supposed to forget. So I'll remember, I'll remember the time I messed up and I'll remember my failure and I'll remember how I disappointed God and I'll remember even at 40 something years old how I, how I 
I disappointed my parents when I was 16. And I'll remember because that's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants you to remember all the junk in your life that you're supposed to get. And then I'll forget what I'm supposed to remember. I'll forget how good God was to me. And I'll forget how he surrounded me with people of prayer and how he, he put people in my life. And so we're intentional. We're intentional with our, our memories. And then we teach. We teach. And I, I, I find it interesting that this verse really specifically God directs to parents. I think it has application for everybody, but specifically he's talking to parents here. And in verse 19, he says, teach these things, teach these things to your children. You get in your life, you get what you remember and you get what you teach. And parents, isn't it interesting that we, we, it's not that we say, man, I, I, I haven't been teaching my children. I need to start teaching my children. That never happens. You're teaching your children. Like we're all, see, ch children come with something. They didn't warn me about this. They didn't tell me this 11 years ago when I became a dad for the first time. They didn't tell me that children come with a mirror. They didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that I would start to see things in my child that I did not like. And through a series of circumstances and reminders from my wife that those... <laughs> Those very qualities that I'm getting upset at, like magical fairy DNA didn't just drop into that child. Have you ever heard your child say something that sounded familiar? <laughs> and you sent them to their room, but you should have sent yourself to your room. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that, y'all. Like, I wanted the fun stuff. I wanted the Disney World moments. I wanted the Christmas tree trip to Boone that I could post on Instagram. Like, I wanted that. I didn't want my nine-year-old to show me things and teach me things about my life that I didn't want to see. But parent, if you'll let them as much as you pour into and teach and train your children, your children can teach and train you. And maybe sometimes instead of... <laughs> Instead of uh, getting too angry, maybe, maybe we're the ones that need the time out and we need some time with the Holy Spirit and say, God, where did that come from? Yeah, I know this is uncomfortable, right? Like, where did that attitude come from? Where did that fear come from? But here's the wonderful news, parents, is that God says, God says under the old covenant, Curses got passed on generation after generation after generation. But the Bible says under the new covenant and the blood of Jesus, curses can be broken. And so your kids don't have to deal with the same junk that you walk through. And by the way, while your kid is getting free from that, God will heal you too in the name of Jesus. I, I'm speaking this over somebody. That pattern of behavior that you're seeing in your kid, it can be broken in the name of Jesus. You just, you pray, you examine your heart, you invite God into that situation, and it will be cut off in Jesus' name. Teach them, teach them, tie them, talk about them. We get what we, we, get what we talk about. That's what the Bible teaches. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Just like as we planted seeds in our giving last week and we are expecting a wonderful harvest from those seeds, our words are seeds. 
and we will eat of that fruit. So can I just encourage you, plant good seed, plant words of hope, plant words of life, plant words of forgiveness, plant words of blessing, plant words of love, especially. I, I think those seeds get even stronger when they're reciprocated differently than they were received. So, so take a word of anger, but return a word of love. Take a word of bitterness, but return a word of peace. Take a word of frustration, but return a word of joy. As you turn the seed, turn, turn the seed. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that can turn what is coming at you. And you don't have to, you don't have to plant out of what you received. You can plant out of what God has given you. That's the source. The source of your seed is not somebody else. The source of your seed is almighty God. Plan out of that supply, church, and you'll never go wrong. And then the final thing is right, right. So you say, Pastor, what's the, what's the spirit? Right, so talk about them, tie them, and teach them, and write them. What's, that, what's the spiritual implication of right? Here it, here it is. Are you ready? This is, this is powerful. It's writing. Like, like physically, physically writing. Like paper to pen writing. And I'm not going to get real legalistic. You can type it in, although studies would tell you that you actually don't remember what you type in with your thumbs as much as you write down on a piece of paper. But I'm just throw, throwing that out to you. But, but write. Here's, here's, why it's, here's why it's so important that you take notes during a sermon. Because maybe you don't need it today, but you're going to need it someday. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring things to remembrance. And if we're not intentional about what we need to remember, then we'll forget what we need to remember and remember what we need to forget. And so there will come a time when the Holy Spirit is like, I gave you what you need. You say, you're saying, God, I'm walking through a difficult season. I need, I need something. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, I, I gave that to you three Sundays ago. I, I gave it to you. Go get it. Go get it. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.